Hello again, I'm Michael Lee, the Publicity Chair for the Magnetism and Magnetic Materials Conference coming up on October 31st in Minneapolis. You're about to hear the next installment in the series we've been working on with invited speakers and other notable attendees for the conference. My guest today is Dr. Anna Guler, Research Fellow at Macquarie University in Australia. She will be delivering an invited presentation at MMM 2022 in the session on Magnetic Stimulation in Biology. Her captivating research explores the potential for stimulating human immune cells with pulsed magnetic fields for improved disease treatment. This is a nascent field, building on the experience of transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is currently used to treat depression. I'll let Dr. Guler take it from here. I'm not a proper magnetism researcher because I came from medical background, I would say biomedical background. I did my first PhD in pathology so I'm, I'm mostly pathologist. And then I did my second PhD in physics, but it was in optics, not in magnetism. Mm. And uh, I worked with nanoparticles and then I was trying to marry nanoparticles with biological world. And I explored some nanobio interfaces, how the particles interact with the tissues and cells and other things and how cells behave and many other biological things, um, but I would say I'm basically an experimental pathologist and biophysicist in terms of, you know, exploring how the physical factors affect the life of the tissues and cells and uh, how the tissues and cells respond on physical factors of different nature. And it was a I would say pure coincidence. Uh, it's maybe a long story. If, if, I'm, if I'm talking too much, you can stop me at any time. Oh, keep going. Great. It's to hear from you. But, <laughs> uh, we work quite a lot in, um, in the models of brain cancer and other cancers, in particular in advanced in vitro models, a kind of tissue engineering models of cancers. And we had a internal university symposium on brain cancer where different researchers of, from different departments presented what they are doing in this area. It somehow happened that quite a lot of people in our Macquarie University work in the area. And there was a visiting researcher from Ukraine and I'm also from Ukraine. And, and she was talking about something which I completely could not understand. But she was from Ukraine and I said some hi to her at the end and we went for a coffee. And I asked her to explain what she was doing. Her name was Olena Nikolenko. She was from Odessa National University in Ukraine and she is a neurosurgeon. And she, she was speaking about application of transcranial magnetic stimulation for mapping of the brain cancers and mapping the functional areas of the brain, connectivity of the brain using this machine and technology. And that was the first time when I heard about uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, CMS. So she, she showed me the machine and she said, oh, this machine will put the, the coil on the head of the patient and we stimulate it and we get the response and we register the response. And then next there was a lot of neuroscience terms, but I did, I did physics PhD, I considered myself a little bit a physicist, 
I came home, I Googled, and I found that the machine produces pulses of several Tesla potentially, mm -hmm. which was, was sounding very interesting for me because in nanotechnologies, we are very much interested in some non-invasive ways to operate with nanomaterials. And I understood that this level of magnetic stimulation potentially may interact with some kinds of nanomaterials, not only magnetic nanoparticles. I started to learn, 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 learn. And eventually I found that uh, TMS machines are clinically approved for treatment of depression only. Uh, currently at U uh, in USA, it is getting approval for migraines, obsessive compulsive disorder, but basically it's in the psychiatry space. Main, you, main, I don't want to interrupt your talk, but could yeah. you quickly describe that, that instrument? Is it you go in for treatment or this isn't something you'd have at your house? Uh, no, this, this, this is of course, this, is, this should be in the clinic. Yeah. It's not a very complex device. It was invented in UK in 1985. So it's, it's quite old technology, but of course it develops and it has quite a lot of advances so far, but in, in terms of, of engineering side, it's, it's, a, it's a stack of capacitors which accumulate the charge and then it passes through this charge through the thick wire. And this wire is con con configured in a coil. So, and these pulses are going with the frequency uh, around one hertz, two hertz, five hertz, 20 hertz, 100 hertz pulses. So this is, I would say, in terms of magnetism terminology, it would be medium strong magnetic field. Mm -hmm. But in terms of uh, medical uh, understanding, it's, it's in terms of the strength, it's equivalent to MRI machine. And um, of course, of course, the all these uh, temporary parameters of this field, they are different. And of course, there is an underlying frequency of the, of the current itself. But the, the medical significance of the stimulation comes at the frequencies around one hertz to 25 hertz usually. And at this frequency, um, uh, the pulses induce eddy currents in the cortex of the brain. And it's, it's a general paradigm how it's understand, uh, understood so far that the pulse comes through the skull to the brain cortex. It's not very, very much focused, but it's somehow focused depending on configuration of the coil, of course. And usually it's, it's quite superficial. So it's only affect the cortex and it's believed it's only affect the main functional cells of the brain like neurons. So neurons are electrically excitable. So we induce a decurrent. So we change the electrical stimulation of the neurons. And so far we can, uh, and so in this way we can control the neuronal activity and we can control, for example, some kind of uh, depression or something else like this. Mm -hmm. But um, th there is also a technology which is called deep brain TMS, deep brain transcranial magnetic stimulation that requires a special, special again, special configuration of several coils, which allows to focus this magnetic pulse in a deeper areas of the brain. 
but it's quite quite advanced and quite unusual. It looks like you know like like Darth Vader uh, bucket, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, in general, in general, the simple machine. It's not extremely expensive, but because it operates very very high currents, it it is usually in the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. um, but but in terms of operation, it's very simple. You just need to know how to operate it in a safe way. And the most complex thing is to where to place the coil. Right. To do not use scissors, scissors or something like this. So th there are some limitations, of course, in terms of safety. But this is the background. In addition to neurons, in 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 the in the brain, we have so many cells. Neurons is only half of the of the tissue in the brain. There are the whole list of the different types of cells which are not considered electrically excitable by default. Mm -hmm. But any cell has a membrane, and this membrane has a membrane potential. So they are all electrically sensitive, depending on the current, of course. Mm -hmm. And it turned, it turned to be very surprising to me that nobody actually tried to, to check what TMS does to other types of the cells in the brain. And potentially what TMS or just magnetic stimulation, re repetitive magnetic stimulation does to the cells in other tissues and organs. And this is what I, I proposed because I was working in the area of brain cancer. I, I checked the literature. I checked the literature on some experimental biophysics works where similar, um, similar magnetic fields were applied to cancer tissues, cancer cells, Normal tissues, normal cells. It was not. It was not TMS. It was not repetitive magnetic stimulation because TMS means transcranial, mean, mean, means passing through the skull. If it's outside the skull, it's, it would not be transcranial. It's just repetitive magnetic stimulation. Yeah. Or if it's in vitro, if you're just working with cells, so TMS can can be translated as transcranial or RMS as repetitive magnetic stimulation. I checked just by similarity. If anybody does something like this, and I found that there are some effects which were registered for similar stimulation, uh, biological effects. It's not it's not well learned from the physics side yet. Side yes, sorry. Um, so I found that, for example, this type type of magnetic fields or magnetic pulses can um, make cell membranes more permeable. Basically, cell membrane has a lipid membrane, mostly lipids, so it's fatty. And if we bring a drug or nanoparticle to this membrane, it's a big problem to pass through it. Many molecules which we have to use as drugs, they are hydrophilic. And you need to pass a hydrophilic thing through the hydrophobic matter, which yeah. is oil and water situation. And if you can temporarily permeabilize this membrane, make a small hole, open a hole and close the hole without killing the cell, it's a big thing. So potentially we can, for example, increase the drug and nanoparticles uptake in the cells. We can make them more sensitive for the treatment. We also potentially can increase this effect and, and just kill the cells. 
uh, another another potential target for this type of stimulation is mitochondria. Mitochondria are organelles which produce energy, which produce ATP. And they do this by transporting electrons through a series of um, donors and acceptors and enzymes. And so this is called electron transport chain of mitochondria. And it works through multiple recombinations of, three, uh, of uh, radical state and uh, molecular state, radical state, molecular state. So this is jumping electrons. And of course, if you are delivering this type of biologically strong magnetic pulses, you, you, know, you disturb this electron transport chain and you may have something like Z-man effect, for example. You can have some, some very unusual states in, in this electron transport chain. And we also can see this because we started to do experiments with different types of cells, not only neurons, but something not, not neuronal. We work with different types of cancer cells. We work with immune cells. And we can see that um, this stimuli, which we can get through CMS machines, basically, can control the energy production in the cells. It can control the production of reactive oxygen species as well, which is, or maybe also reactive nitrogen species is expectable. We haven't measured it, but we, we, we can expect this. We also were able to um, trigger the release of, of the drug from nanoparticles. And again, this were not magnetic nanoparticles. This were just a kind of small polymer beads, non-magnetic polylactic acid, just, you know, very, very simple polymer and non-magnetic drug. And we were able to uh, probably change the conformation of the polymer and somehow expanded so the drug could release. And this is triggered release, also a very important thing in controlled drug delivery in medicine. So uh, I'm not a proper magnetism speaker, but I want to say that there are, um, there are effects which may be very useful and which were not explored yet with that. So we're trying to dig in this direction. By trying to see how this TMS technology can be uh, repurposed and maybe uh, enhanced and enlarged in applications, and we right. got very promising results in this in this area. Yeah. So, how long has this work? When did when did you begin this? It's so you're probably the first one taking it outside of you know neuron uh, cells. But how long have you been working on this now? I would say this this symposium and this this <laughs> coincidence story happened in 2000, I think, say 17 or 18. Okay. And then I applied for a small seed grant at our local um, cancer translational center, which was called Sydney Vital. And Sydney Vital gave me this grant, so I got supported. And one company which distributes the machines in, in, in Australia gave me a machine to try for free. So I worked with this. It, it was just very good, you know, combination of good luck. Mm -hmm. And then and my, my, my supervisor was also kind enough to allow me to spend a, a part of my 
time on something which was not a part of my project. Of course. Yeah, so this was this was completely new in 2017-18. I don't remember exactly the date, but I, physically I think it was to 18. Then it was COVID and it was, you know, but, but somehow I, I kept working. Not, not, not so, so intensively as I wanted to do, but, and then I also, I got this preliminary results and I applied for a fellowship at Macquarie University. It's quite selective fellowship. So I got a three years fellowship and now I work on this project. It's mostly not for cancer. It's mostly for a more mild condition, which we call neuroinflammation. And the idea is that we potentially can enhance the reparative ability of the brain tissue after strokes, after tumor resections, after infections, something like this. Okay. And then how do you, what, what's the type of experiment that you run to confirm some of these microscopic and nanoscale effects? You know, how you talked about the drug release or the, or the cell membrane opening and closing. How, how are you able to kind of verify that that's, that's what's happening? What sort of experiments um, are done or would you like to do? No, we, we are in the strict strict uh, world of animal ethics uh, conditions and we cannot move to animal testing or application in humans before we completely sure this is at least not harmful. Mm -hmm. So we work with uh, in vitro models, we work with cells in, 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 in cell culture vehicles, cell culture dishes, cell culture flasks, plates, and so on. Uh, and we also have a very new and advanced thing which allows us to grow not only tissues, but, but a kind of replicas of, of or not, not only cells, but replicas of tissues in 3D culture. This is not so-called spheroids. People, when I say 3D culture, they usually think it's something like organoids or spheroids. It's, it is not because we combine cells with um, extracellular matrix, I think which keeps the scaffold, which keeps cells together in the tissue. Mm -hmm. and we, we get this um, scaffolds from native tissues as well. So it's, it's another biological thing, which I, I don't want you to be bored too much. Um, but, but, but we can, we can grow pieces of small pieces of tissue in, 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 in the jar, in, in, in the Petri dish. This is, this is our, our models on which we can try. We, of course, we're of course planning to move to animals, but I believe I'm not ready yet to even go to mice mm -hmm. because I can see that the effects are very much depending on the parameters of the, the stimulation. And I'm trying to build a model. And because it's very, I would say it's, it's very extensive testing at the moment, I still could not find uh, any kind of sophisticated way to point out this specifically, this is the frequency, this is the number of pulses, this is the time, this is the temperature, this is X, Y, Z. I have to try, try and try. So I am doing large screening experiments, which will, if it would be in, in pharmaceutical space, we would call 
uh, high throughput screening. Mm -hmm. So you have a library of treatment regimes and you need to test them in different cells and apply different cell culture assays. Basically what we measure at the moment, our main focus, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, membrane and mitochondria, our main focus is mitochondria at the moment because we have uh, well-established cell assays which measure this mitochondrial health and ATP production. So we mostly rely on this, but we also have some assays which can show us if the cell membrane is, um, is in integrity state or is it permeabilized, we can see, but it's again, it's related to mitochondrial, um, mitochondrial work certain extent because it's a signature of viability as well so the, the fine things like like I, I mentioned some kind of physics like Zeeman effect it's it's again in the future I'm just approaching I simply don't know how I can do this I'm at the very beginning but my my message is that there is something and we can probably get a lot of exciting um, outcomes from this yeah. So based on your, you know, high throughput sort of approach and then existing literature on, on the transcranial studies, what, what is, how big is this variable space? I mean, it's magnitude of the field, frequency, you know, how, how many, how many parameters here do you think are in play in a substantial way? I can tell you that it, it, it also depends on the instrument. Mm -hmm. The instrument which I'm using is, is the most common and most popular, I would say, it's, it's, and the oldest, it's called MaxTeam. And this MaxTeam machine allows me to control nine parameters. Okay. Nine parameters. Uh, so far, I, I believe there is some, some window for the, um, for the, uh, I would say strength of magnetic field. So, because from from the from the clinical experience that there are threshold, motor threshold, sensitivity threshold, and all the things. So uh, I need to operate in the safe area. So I would say it's it's some kind of near one Tesla or just below one Tesla. It seems reasonable to be safe. Mm -hmm. And and the next important thing is the frequency and the number of pulses and plus um, intertrain intervals because there are also some patterning of these pulses and they may be delivered as irregular pulses or they may be delivered as bursts or the uh, trains or so there are some play with this uh, time related domain. It's also does a lot of does a lot of change in, in biological responses. But we are trying to, to build models. We are trying to do some mathematics on this, of course, but we can see that both sides are contributing. Um, and uh, I mean, I mean the, the technical part of the stimulation, like I mentioned all these parameters and biological parts is also contributing. For example, one gene mutation changes the response. Mm -hmm. The Are same you... type of cancer, one gene mutation, different response. Mm -hmm. 
and completely different. So one type, which is wild type of wild mutation response on, on low frequency, it's killed by low frequency, and the other type which has this mutation is stimulated by this frequency. Right. And so at this point, are you aware of you know hardware like limitations to the to to the to the magstim tool? I mean, would if you could, you know, if you could design a perfect instrument here, what what additional capability would you would you want that to have? You know, in, 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 in the field of TMS, there is a quite intensive research how to optimize TMS as TMS, so for, for the brain. Mm -hmm. There are different approaches to have secondary coils, to have implanted micro coils, and many other very intelligent things. Um, in our case, I would say uh, we haven't reached this area yet because we're looking at the biological side more to find, to narrow the window first, to find which cells are responding, how they respond, on what they respond. Because we can see so far, we can see that one of the main responders are immune cells. And this is amazing because immune cells controls re or regeneration, cancer, you know, morphogenesis, many things. Mm -hmm. If we can control immune cells, we, will, we would know um, where our target is, how how deep the target is. Is it in, in, the, in the blood or is it in the organ? Which organ? How far this organ from the surface? And that's why I'm not saying yet which technical parameters we need. But mm -hmm. definitely, if, if everything goes somehow successfully, we may have this question in the future. We will have this question in oh, the circling future. Circling back and designing the hardware for this. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. But I, I came from this clinical side and because yeah. of that, I understand there is no reason to work on the designs until you know the target. Right, makes sense. Are you, so for, for the models that you're developing, do you, what do you think the limiting factor is right now? You do not have enough data or, or is there, do you think that there's a variable that you're not controlling for? Or what, what's, I guess, do you have a sense of, of, of what that limiting factor is right now? Everything, yeah. everything you mentioned. Yeah. And do you have, and so are, who, who, who are the people that you can talk to um, for, for advice and ideas and, you know, what type of researchers and, and, and how many of them are there out there that, that can really um, give as you much a as, really positive as, as much as I understand, uh, TMS researchers are very focused on brain itself, mm -hmm. on control of this neuronal activity. I would say from biological side, I would be interested to talk to um, researchers who studied the other part of the brain, we call this glial cells. Mm -hmm. glial researchers but of course this is not not expectable to be on magnetics conference in magnetism i would say it's more related to quantum physics i i got very good insights from my colleague from quantum optics when i showed them this results they say oh this may be this maybe this maybe this but next steps of course, it's it's. Uh, I I honestly, I'm very scared. I'm very scared. 
Yeah. Or it's like you definitely have something worth pursuing here. It's just and and probably I'm a right people may know something as well in this in this not know but uh, get some provide some insights to us. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is completely different setup, completely different types of magnetic fields. But and and quite a lot of work has been done for the effects of MRI. But MRI is a combination of different types of magnetic stimuli. One of them includes this low frequency things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So somehow, <laughs> but we cannot separate it from MRI radio frequency. Mm-hmm. Can you can you feel like a four test a one test or a four test of field? Does is there any sensation that that people notice when they get that treatment other than you know the heat and the? Um, it depends on the positioning of the coil. I I I I I, I did training in TMS to get certified, mm-hmm. so I I I I I got you know some knowledge. I tried on myself. I tried on others. And what I can tell you, one, the, the common thing which people feel when they we put the core on the head, we have a sensation of tapping, like boom, boom, boom. This tapping on the head, very mild, mm-hmm. n- not, a, not a problem actually. Sometimes it depends again of, on individual anatomy and strength of this uh, stimulation. If, if, if the, the focal area where the stimulation happens involves some local nerve you can you can feel some you know some uh, twitching in 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 your muscles and this may be hand muscles this may be some facial muscles this may be some you know feeling of of a cord in 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 your in your tissues so it's a kind of paresthesis rather than real sensations mm-hmm. if if we are in the safe region of course but the procedure for tms and clinics it includes the definition of individual threshold so the first thing we define what is the sensitivity of the, the, this person and then the 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 treatment is adjusted to individual threshold it's a percentage of individual threshold for neurons mm-hmm. Would it be enough for other cells? We, we don't know yet. So we are trying to be in this, in this, I would say, range. Right. Another piece for the list. Um, for for um, publications. Uh, I for, uh, sorry, I forgot to say, you feel very happy at, at the end of the <laughs> session. <laughs> I'm serious. I I, it was very, very key, clear effect on the mood. Really? And how long for rest of the day or for the rest of the day but but i'm i'm i believe i believe i'm a healthy person (laughs) but but it's very important because it it helps people with major depressive disorder Mm -hmm. who are desperate because um this is particularly supported in australia for example for drug resistant depression when a person takes at least two drugs uh tried two drugs and they did not work and these people are in pre-suicidal state, usually. So this is a very, very, very important method. Very accessible, very easy to apply. It's maybe applied in rural areas. You just need electricity. 
Mm -hmm. That's it. So this is a good thing. And this is drug free. Yeah. So it's it's really, really good thing. Very promising. Well, this has been very interesting. It's not what I was expecting, but this is this is wild. Um, if there's anything else that you you know think I should know or anything follow-up that I could read. I, I, I would just say big thank you for the attention to our work and huge thank you for inviting us because it's it's very you know it's 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 very encouraging it's it's very supportive and i'm getting so much support from the magnetics magnetics uh, community which i did not deserve yet yeah well <laughs> we're not biologists but we'll do the best we can <laughs> <laughs> but i i appreciate this and i appreciate that people who spend time on on listening to me and everyone who is supporting this very raw ideas, very, you know, fresh but raw. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be exciting to hear the presentation in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Thank you once again to Dr. Guler for participating in the series. And be sure to check out her presentation at MMM 2022 in the Magnetic Stimulation in Biology session.